Welcome to episode 10 of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. This week, we have an interview with John Dubois, designer of Avignon. In the news, Groves by Stephen Armini and Dan Lettering, both of whom have been on the podcast before and will be coming back, is currently on Kickstarter. It funded on day one and looks like it'll do pretty well. It's got some amazing art, interesting gameplay, so definitely go check that out in Kickstarter. The GameCrafter Big Box Challenge has moved into voting. Um, I have a game in there, Plutocracy 3022. If you want to check that out, I would appreciate it. And a friend of mine from one of my playtesting groups, Brian Compter, has Rise of the Horde. Also very good game. Really interesting. So go check those out. As well as the other 53 games in the contest. Looks like a very good crowd. A lot of interesting designs. For contests... The Gen Cant Roll and Write contest is currently going on. That's due July 1st. The Korea Board Games 2017 design contest is still going on, with submissions due June 30th. The Game Crafter has the Gamehole Dungeon Crawler Challenge, submissions due August 15th. The Manhattan Project Dice Challenge, submissions due September 12th, which again, that is on the Game Crafter and Minion Games website. You can enter both contests separately. And the Game Crafter has the Hidden Movement Challenge due October 23rd. You can get links to everything mentioned in the news at theboardgameworkshop.com. And now, on to the interview. I'm here with John Dubois, designer of Avignon. Uh, and he's here to talk about several Avignon games and also his in-development game, Striking Flint. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, let's start with what got you into playing games and then what made you transition into game design? You know, um, my family's been playing games ever since I was little. You know, I started out playing um, the same family games everybody else plays, you know, Monopoly Life, uh, Big Risk Family in my family. Uh, but uh, after that, I moved on. I kind of did the circle of hobby games. I went to Magic in high school and then to uh, D&D in college. And uh, D&D is where I got started in game design because I was playing one of the organized play campaigns, Living Greyhawk. And they needed new authors for adventures, and I volunteered to do that. And that went well enough that they invited me to do story direction uh, for the end of our region of the campaign. And um, I did some D&D, some other work with D&D for a while. And after uh, I got married to a woman who uh, didn't care for D&D, um, we started playing more board games again, and I kind of transitioned from working on D&D adventures to working on board games. So tell us a little bit about Avignon and the process of getting your first game published. So Avignon is a two-player game, uh, 18 cards like all the wallet games are, um, that imitates the uh, Great Schism in Catholicism from the 14th century. Um, both players are rival popes trying to gain influence in the Catholic Church, and the way you do that is you uh, literally push and pull uh, various characters in the ch church, uh, bishops, peasants, cardinals, uh, toward you or away from your opponent. Um, and you win by getting three people of note to your side. And uh, you win the game that way. Um, it's kind of, it's very chess-like, very abstract. Um, but it's a little unique because uh, the positions of the pieces change and the powers of the individual pieces uh, mix things up a bit. Um, and then that campaign went, uh, well, I guess it start, start earlier. Um, that game came from a contest on, uh, the board game design forum website. 
Uh, every month they do a pitch contest where you pitch a theme, or I'm sorry, they give you a theme and you pitch a game for that theme. And one month the pitch theme was uh, religion. And I thought there would be a lot of pitches about um, actual religious dogma or some sort of conflict between religious, religions, and there was. Um, but I decided to do something a little different and take a game that I'd been working on that had the push-pull mechanic and restructure it in the religious history angle um, since I was into history. And it got pretty well received. Um, a lot of the comments were to the degree of, we just need to see this more fleshed out rather than this is a bad idea. And so I went along with that. I took the game to Unpub, um, which ended up being a great format for the game because it was a short game. I ended up getting 40 playtests in over the weekend and yeah. ironing out a lot of the kinks. And from there, it was just an email pitch to Jason because he was uh, just starting to work on the monthly Kickstarter campaign. And I managed to get in uh, on the ground level of that. I think Avignon was the first of the monthly wallet Kickstarters. Um, and it went very well. It uh, Until early this morning, it was the second best Kickstarter uh, button shy had run and um, did well enough that we got an expansion pilgrimage in the works which is a standalone expansion it has uh, six more characters to add to the six that already existed uh, they're a little more complex a lot of the character abilities have two or three steps instead of just the one or two from the base game um, but it can be played by itself or mixed in with the original Avignon and uh, we're just finishing up a uh, mini expansion called Schism, which lets the players draft characters at the start of the game instead of just whatever characters get dealt out for both players. And so we're in Avignon and Pilgrimage. There's a field of five characters that you can manipulate. Um, in Schism, you've got your set of characters and your opponent has their set of characters. And in the middle are the factions those characters belong to. And so the pieces in the middle of the board behave differently for you than they do for your opponent. And so it kind of adds that extra level of strategy to it. And that uh, final expansion is going out in the May Board Game of the Month Club. And so uh, it's been a pretty busy uh, year and a half for that game. Wow, I mean, that's that's a lot to do from uh, just one wallet game and to be on your second expansion already. So Yeah. It's moved very quickly. I've been very pleased with how it's, how it's gone. Um, so, Avignon Pilgrimage, how did that come about? Did Jason approach you about making it? Were you already working on stuff? Was it stuff that had come up during the original design that got left out and then you brought it back in to make the expansion? How'd that work out? It start Most of uh, what it was were characters that I decided were too complicated for the base game. And so we left them out when we came back and said, is this worth doing an expansion for? Jason said, well, what do you have? And I said, well, I've got all these characters from um, the original version of the base game. Uh, when I first was on the base game, it had 12 different characters. And when the game came out, it ended up having two copies of six different characters. And so I still had these six characters that I hadn't done anything with and that I had taken out because... 
um, for whatever reason they didn't fit with what we were trying to do in the base game. And so that's where we started. Um, we ended up making a couple other tweaks because uh, we decided that the mix of characters in the base game, you didn't see enough excommunicating or enough pushing. Um, and so really half the action types weren't used that well, that much. And so we decided to add a couple of characters that um, used a bit more of that. Um, for example, in Pilgrimage, there is a character that excommunicates as part of its action. Um, and there's another character that um, if he ends in the row next to your opponent, he gets pushed back towards the center. And so there's an incentive there to um, use your character's push powers on him and get him to that spot because you're not actually trading anything off. Um, and so a lot of what we did in Pilgrimage was we just decided, let's take the principles in the base game and do something a little more interesting, a little more complicated uh, with those ideas. And then Schism, again, did that, was that brought up by Jason? Was that ideas you already had? Um, Schism was a idea that came after I saw Onitama. Um, when I first, I, I'd already developed Avignon, pitched it to Jason, gotten the contract signed before I'd even heard of Onitama. Um, when I first heard about it, it was one of those, oh my gosh, did I just code, did I just, uh, design something in parallel that's going to get a lot better press than what I made, um, because it's another two player abstract game. that's fast. Um, and when I looked at it, it, it wasn't the same game, but I liked the idea that, um, players have their own individual sets of actions. And so I thought about how I could do that with something like Avignon. And my initial idea was I could do it with miniatures. Instead of having a cardinal card in the middle of the board, I could have a red meeple. And once that was the case, you, each player could have um, their own card from the cardinal faction. You know, between um, the Kickstarter bonuses and the, the base game and pilgrimage, there are now three characters for each faction. And so the idea that I could have a cardinal while you had an uncio and they were, would fill the same role but do different things um, was something that I thought was a really interesting spin to kind of up the strategy level of the game a little bit. Um, we played with it a bit. Minis ended up not working so well. Um, the card-based system ended up just working way better with uh, the business model and the cost. And so we, we stayed with cards, but... Um, now it's a set of cards that works for the Schism expansion, and it also works with the base game and pilgrimage just as a reference card for which characters are in each, are in each faction. Cool. That does sound like it adds a, quite a few levels of strategy, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's certainly not something I would recommend people jump in with in their first play, but I think for people who have played, and you know, it's, it's a five-minute game once you know it, so it, it, you can get a lot of plays in quickly. So once people get experience, and I think it's just an, an interesting new way to look at things. Beyond being one of the most successful Kickstarters Bunchai has done, Avignon is also their first app. Um, were you involved in the app at all, in the transferring things, how things worked, the AI design, any of that? Um, I was... Definitely not involved in the AI design because that is a com that's a, a computer thing, and I'm not a computer guy. Um, 
know, in terms of I'm not, I mean, that's, there, there's entire degrees in AI design, and I'm, it's just not what I do. Um, I did a lot of playtesting for the app. Um, you know, I got a lot of shots of, hey, how does this look? Um, and then really probably my, my biggest role in um, working on the app was, how does this rule work? You know, when, when when this card says to push a knight, how exactly does that work? Um, what, we've integrated the first Kickstarter bonus pack. We need you to go play with these cards and make sure the cards work the way they're supposed to. Make sure the alternate win conditions work the way they're supposed to. Um, and so that was really most of my role in the app. All right, so moving on from all things Avignon to Striking Flint which was a finalist in the Cardboard Edison Award. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. Tell us a bit about the theme and how it plays and where it came from. Okay, so Striking Flint is um, another design where I, I really started to work on making games about what I know. You know, Avignon uh, is a game about the history of the Catholic Church. Um, I grew up Catholic and obsessed with history, and so I just knew a lot about the theme. Uh, Striking Flint is a lot of the same. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, which has a very rich tradition uh, in organized labor, particularly auto unions. And Striking Flint is a game based on a strike that happened in Flint, Michigan in 1936 and 1937. Uh, what happened was the uh, General Motors decided they were going to try to move production out of Flint and the union, which was brand new um, and technically wasn't allowed to exist, uh, decided to take over the factory. They all went to work. They just sat down and refused to do anything, and they shut the company out of their own factory. Um, Striking Flint is the board game implementation of that. And so it's a cooperative worker placement game where the players take their workers, they go into the factory, they put the workers down in stations, and they stop the stations from doing anything. And so, um, as a design challenge, it was interesting because, first of all, it's a cooperative worker placement game, which isn't something you usually hear together. And then, just for thematic reasons, um, you know, I felt it had to be worker placement because that was kind of what they did. And also, it was a worker placement game where, instead of a traditional worker placement game where you place a worker and take an action, in this game, you place a worker to not take an action. I mean, there's still things that workers do, but the primary purpose is stop the factory from taking actions and doing things. And uh, I liked the um, kind of reversal of the traditional thought process on worker placement. That's really interesting. Yep. So the game itself, it's a cooperative game for um, one to four players. It can be played solo. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to place workers on stations that are rotating th uh, throughout the game. And you're trying to get the conditions in the factory to line up with whatever the press is interested in that week. And so the press could be interested in um, the efforts of the worker spouses to get food to them. And so you have to get the money conditions in the factory to line up right in order to get that press, that story to get work out in your favor. Um, and the whole time you're trying to work with um, against the factory itself, which is trying to build cars, and also um, you're trying to work with stress. 
as you take additional actions and as the factory um, tries to take actions where your workers are located, you accumulate stress. And if you get too stressed out, the union disbands and you lose the game. Uh, same thing if too many uh, cars get built. Um, and one of the things that's a little more unique to this game is um, I actually pulled some of the restrictions that General Motors placed on their workers at the time as restrictions on the players, mostly thematically, sometimes mechanically. And so when you start the game, the workers aren't allowed to take phone calls. They aren't allowed to have overtime. They're not allowed to take breaks. And they're not allowed to talk while they're at work. And so as you start to accumulate success with these events, gen the company starts to give you concessions. So you pick, okay, you can have one of these four things. And so if you decide that you want to have overtime, you don't have to remove as many workers when you complete events anymore. Um, the no talking restriction, literally, if you have both of your workers in the factory, you can't talk because that was a rule. You can could not talk at work. That was how they kept the union from uh, spreading because you weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, you could remove that restriction and then you're allowed to talk again. Um, and so it w it's been a really great design exercise to um, start with theme first and then say, okay, what mechanics does this theme call for? And kind of bring that into the game. Whereas with Avignon and a lot of my other designs, um, I kind of started with mechanics first. I had this interesting idea for a game and then I found a theme that I thought worked well with it. Um, so going going top down um, has been a very different experience and it's been a very uh, rewarding one. Do you think it's close enough to how things really turned out that it could be sold educationally or is it removed too much from that? I, I, th I think it's removed. I think there's two reasons why it, it wouldn't really work necessarily as an educational game. Uh, first, I do think it's removed too much from it. Um, I think there could be a version, and, and the, the early versions of the game were a lot more true to it, where you know, each, there were each stations that correlated to different workstations in a factory, and it just ended up being very cumbersome, and I couldn't find a way to fix that without going more abstract. Um, and the... Uh, second problem with it is if I was going to release it as an educational game instead of as an abstract hobby game, um, I would actually be using the name of uh, the world's largest automaker. And I, mm -hmm. they, they don't look very good in the game because they didn't look very good in the historical events. And I'm not sure if their lawyers would be okay with that. I could see where that would be a problem. So right now in the game, you know, it uses organizations that existed. It uses the UAW, but they're called the Auto Workers Union. And it uses a company named Generic Motors, which is very similar to, yet legally distinct from, actual <laughs> automakers. <laughs> it's a safer route, I assume. You know, and ultimately, that's, I mean, that's, that's a publisher call. I'm not going to self-publish this game because I am not a publisher, so. <laughs> but uh, that sounds really interesting. I I like the idea of the placing workers to stop actions 
kind of flipping worker placement on its head. It's a nice twist. Yeah, that was really where it started, and then I kind of kind of grew out of that. Cool. Well, we are almost out of time. So, is there anything you would like to promote? Any upcoming stuff or cons or anything? Um, I don't have any cons upcoming. Um, because I have an infant at home. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Um, you know that the next decent size kind of be at is I think I'll, I'm going to be at Unpub Midwest in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan in November. So that's you know after everyone else's con season is over. Um, you know, uh, Avignon Pilgrimage is shipping to Kickstarter backers now, and so uh, by the time the podcast drops. If you go on Buttonshed's website and order it or Clash of Popes, um, they should both be available for sale. And uh, the Avignon app is uh, still in the App Store for both iOS and and uh, Google Play. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, you want to give any social media contact for anyone who wants to follow up with you about all this stuff? Yeah, um, my Twitter handle is at uh, John Dubois. Um, and I am there pretty frequently when I'm not forcing myself to ignore Twitter to, uh, actually get things done. And that's probably the best place to, uh, to find me. And you can watch me tweet about, um, games and about politics. Probably in about equal measure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a really interesting talk and I hope that Striking Flint moves forward because it does sound like a unique worker placement game that I would love to try out. All right. Thank you very much. That does it for this episode. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find it on Twitter at the BG Workshop, on Facebook.com slash The Board Game Workshop, and email theboardgameworkshop at gmail.com. Show notes are on theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.